Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Greetings, my friends. Pastor Brock Lillis here from Bethel Community Church here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We understand that if you are viewing this, it's because there's inclement weather or the great possibility of inclement weather. So I'm sure that you are sitting on your couch with your hot chocolate, with your oatmeal, and uh, you're cozied up by the fire because there's snow outside. And uh, we care about you guys' safety, and that's the reason why we chose to go ahead and just cancel today's live service and come to you uh, through live stream. Also, I want to send a special greeting to our Brentwood family, Bethel Brentwood. Um, we love you guys. We're thankful to be family with you, and uh, we're thankful to get to do life with you guys. We had a great night uh, in your house uh, Friday night to break the fast and have the moment of prayer and worship. I love Pastor James. He's my personal friend. I look up to this man. He's a brother of mine. He's a good man. Uh, he's one of the most generous and uh, sincere men that I know, so you have a good pastor uh, and a great church. Um, today, we're going to be continuing our Abide series that our Every Nation family is doing uh, across the world right now. In some 80 nations, we've been focusing on the word abide and looking at the power of God's word uh, as is indicated through the book of John this morning. Uh, we're going to open to the book of John chapter 5. We're going to read verses 16 through 29. We want to focus in on the word of God and just hear what he is saying to us from our series Abide. So John chapter 5 Starting in verse 16, we're going to read through verse 29. And uh, I hope you had a great fast. I hope that you joined with us in that fast. And though we don't enjoy the hunger of fasting, we do enjoy the reward that we get from fasting. That's why I've got my coffee next to me. I hardly ever preach with a little table next to me, but I just felt the need to have my coffee near because I went those days without drinking any coffee. And it is like jet fuel going through my veins right now, and I'm enjoying this, and I hope that you're enjoying yours as well. John chapter 5, starting in verse 16, let's look at the Word of God. For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done all these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working unto now, and I've been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God... That, that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the, san, the son can of himself do nothing but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son does also in like manner. For the father loves the son, shows him all things, and he himself, as, as he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel for as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even the, so the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, 
so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. This is God's word. This is a powerful section of Scripture. We find in this section of Scripture Jesus making a defense for who he is. He clearly says that he's equal with God, that he is equal with God because God is his Father, which means that he carries God's authority because he is divine. I want to break my thoughts up into two sections this morning. First of all, I want to speak to you theologically. We want to hear what God says. We want to understand who God is. We want to see um, what we can learn about God first. And then as a result, I want to speak to you pastorally and practically. How can we apply this to our life now that we know about who God is, his nature, his character, and what awaits us? Let me give you the context. Jesus had, was in Jerusalem for a, a great feast. And while he was there, he went to one of the most hopeless places in all of the city. There was a place called the Pool of Bethesda. The Pool of Bethesda was a pool with five porches and sick people in multitudes laid around on those porches because it was said that at certain times of the year, an angel would come down and stir the water and the first sick person to hit the water would be completely healed of their infirmity. As you can imagine, uh, because sickness is so prevalent in the world because we've been separated from God, this place was packed with multitudes of terminally ill, hopeless situations. What I love about this is that Jesus goes to those places. Aren't you thankful that Jesus comes to the hopeless places? Because in reality, we're all in a hopeless place. We're all sin sick. We're all separated from God. We're all spiritually dead. But he comes to the hopeless place to give life. There was one man who the Bible tells us had an infirmity for 38 years. Imagine laying on your mat for 38 years in the same place with the hope that maybe you could be the first one to get down to the water if the angel stirred it. When Jesus went to him, he said, do you want to be made well? And it seems like an odd question to ask because obviously the man wants to be made well, but he had lost hope. He was believing in superstition and traditions and it had left him high and dry just like us. If we think super, superstitions and traditions or even religion can heal our sickness, we're wrong. Then Jesus just looked at him and said to him, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and walk. And at the word of Jesus, this man received strength in his legs, immediately stood up and was completely healed. Everybody should have been rejoicing, but the religious leaders got mad because this happened to be the Sabbath day that Jesus did this healing on. This is where Jesus begins his confrontation and headbutts with the religious leaders who would ultimately be the one who murders him. Jesus, in our text, is giving a response to the religious leaders who were his enemies, not because he wanted to be their enemies, but because they were his enemies. And they, instead of being excited about the miracle, they were mad that Jesus did something on the Sabbath. And so our text is a discourse of Jesus with the enemies called the religious leaders. And in this discourse about 
with these religious leaders, Jesus is basically saying, hey, here's who I am. Here's why I can tell a man to get up and walk, and he does it. And it's because I am equal with the Father. Jesus is in essence saying, hey, religious leaders, I know that you don't like this, but I'm not just any other man. I only do the things that I see my father doing, and God is my father. And whenever the Jewish ear heard this, they were hearing, he's making himself equal with God, which would be the sin in their eyes of blasphemy. Blasphemy is punishable by death. And so at this moment, the religious leaders are seeking to murder Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes on here, and he says, because the Father has given me life, I have life in myself to give life and to save whoever I will. Now remember, we're talking theologically here because we can't know how to apply this to our lives until we know what this teaches us about God. And Jesus, in his discourse to those who would be considered his enemies, talks about four resurrections that will happen by his word one day. Four resurrections that he talks about. The first resurrection that Jesus talks about is in verse 24 and 25. Let's read it together. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. Watch. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now remember Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda by simply saying, rise, take your bed, and walk. His word carries resurrection power. His word has the power to go into the deepest, darkest of situations, and whatever it touches, it brings life and light to that situation. And here Jesus speaks about the first resurrection, and the first resurrection is the resurrection of lost sinners to eternal life. I want you to notice that he says in verse 25, Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, and now is. Notice he says, and now is. This is a now resurrection. Jesus is saying to us, that his word and he is so powerful that whenever we hear his voice, when we hear his word of salvation, of the fact that he has come into the world to save sinners, of the fact that he lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died, and on the third day was raised up from the grave, when we hear that word and believe it, supernaturally he puts everlasting life on the inside of us. We pass from death to life, from eternal death to eternal life in a moment. If you are born again today, it is because you heard the word and believed that word. And the good news that you need to hear today, if you don't know God, if you've, if you've, never, if you've been considering, should I follow Jesus? Can I trust him? Uh, or maybe you're, you're not following God because you think to yourself, I've been too bad, I, I, I'm in too much sin God could never like me. I've done too many things bad. I've hurt too many people. The good news is this, is that God's word from Jesus is so powerful that it can go into the deepest of darkest of souls. And if you will hear this word and live, you can have the eternal life Jesus speaks about in his word today. I've seen adulterers hear the word of Jesus, believe, and be saved, and their life be turned around. I've seen addicts be completely delivered and healed by hearing the word of the gospel, believing it in their heart, and turning their life over to Christ. I've seen addictions broken off 
people. I've seen people who have struggled with all kinds of sexual sins but, and even same-sex attractions and such. Hear the word of God, believe the word of Jesus, and be completely born again, saved, and delivered as a result of hearing the word. So hear me right now. Theologically, Jesus is saying, I'm the resurrection. I'm the power. I'm the life. My word brings life, eternal life, to those who hear and believe. And so as you're hearing this word today, believe it in your heart no matter where you are, how far you may feel from God, you can be saved today. The second resurrection Jesus speaks about is the resurrection of the Lord himself. Verse 25 and 26. Uh, yes, 20, excuse me, 26 and 27. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he's the Son of Man. Jesus said, the reason why I can raise lost sinners to life with my word is because I'm going to be raised to life. Jesus here was in essence predicting, I'm going to go to the cross. Men are going to think that they've killed me. But my father has given me life and I've never sinned, so I've never been disconnected from my father. So they're going to put me in a tomb, but the tomb is not going to hold me. I am going to be raised. Our whole faith, the whole Christian faith, is based off one cataclysmic event called the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Christ isn't risen, the scripture makes it clear that we're still in our sin and our faith is futile. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Paul says this, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. Notice, he died, he was buried, he was raised. This is the foundation of our faith. But if there is no resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 13 through 18, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, our faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep have perished. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we don't serve the God of the dead. We serve the God of the living. Our God sent his son from heaven to earth on a rescue mission to die for sinners, to be put in a tomb. And on the third day, he was raised. And because he has been raised, he raises us up. When Christ was raised, he came out of that grave victorious, holding the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And anybody who hears his voice gets resurrection life on the inside of him. He is the living God, and there is none other. And because he's been raised, his word will have the final say over our lives and over the course of our lives and even over the whole universe. Jesus Christ has been raised, and Jesus predicted he's going to be raised. Thirdly, now Jesus goes into two future resurrections. The first resurrection is when we hear the voice of the Son of God now and believe lost sinners are raised to everlasting life. Those who are dead in their sin, he makes alive. Secondly, Jesus said, I can do that because I'm going to be raised. But now Jesus tells us of two future resurrections. Let's look at this in John 5, 28 and 25, 29. Do not marvel at this. The hour is coming in which all who, who are in the graves 
will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Let's stop right there. Jesus said, because we've sinned, we're, we're going to die. Those who have heard his voice and believed have everlasting life. And though our bodies die, our spirit lives forever. But the day is coming when Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father now, is going to return to this earth. And when he returns, he's going to return, the Bible tells us, we're about to read, with a shout, with the voice. His word is going to speak, and everybody who is in a grave is going to get up. There's going to be a resurrection to those who have believed, like verse 24 and 25 talks about. We're getting up to the resurrection of a new body, a, re a resurrected body, a glorified body in a glorified world, and the Lord is going to look at us who have believed and lived our life for him and say, enter in, good and faithful servant, job well done. I'm excited about that day. It gives us hope in this life to think about the fact that there's a future resurrection, and for the believer, this life is as bad as it can get. We've been facing COVID. We've been facing hard times. Some of us are facing diagnoses that we didn't want to hear and, and we're believing God to heal you with his word. But hear me, even if we die, we can die as a believer in hope, knowing that the Lord has said himself, I'm coming back, and even the dead bodies of those in the grave are going to be raised up, and it's going to be a resurrection to brand new life where there's no more sickness, no more sighing, no more dying, no more cancer, no more COVID, no more injustice, and I'm excited about the new heaven and the new earth, and you should, you should be too if you're a believer. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 18, Paul writes about this to the church in Thessalonica. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's us, we believe. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Now watch this. And the dead in Christ are going to be raised first. Notice, the dead in Christ will be raised first. The resurrection of life, that's what he's talking about. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord eternally. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We as believers can comfort one another with the fact that there's a future resurrection coming, a resurrection of life to those who have believed in the Lord, trusted his word, and followed him with their life. I'm excited about that. You should be excited about that. For those of you who have lost loved ones in Christ, we can get excited about this. We can comfort one another with these words because... One day Jesus is going to descend, and notice it says how he's going to descend, with the shout, with the voice. He's going to come back to this earth from heaven, and whenever he speaks, just like he spoke to that man at the pool of Bethesda, rise, take up your bed and walk, he's going to speak, and immediately, because he's the resurrection and the life, his word is going to raise our dead bodies up from a grave no matter how long they've been there. That is the power of the Lord's word. Lastly, and this is the sobering part of 
what we're learning theologically this morning. Verse 29, and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life, watch, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. What does this mean? This means that this Christianity, this Jesus that we're talking about, he's not a figment of our imagination. A resurrection awaits us all. Because Christ was raised, a resurrection awaits every person. To the atheists who have rejected the thought of God, a resurrection awaits them. To the Hindu who has rejected the words of Jesus Christ, to the Muslim who have dishonored Jesus by saying he's just a prophet, a resurrection awaits to the person who has rejected and rebelled, saying, oh, I can't believe in all that God stuff. This is irrelevant to our lives. I'm going to live my life and Kesarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. I'm going to live my life for me. A resurrection awaits that person. And for the person who has rebelled and rejected the word of God, Jesus says there's even a resurrection for those people, but it's the resurrection of condemnation. Meaning, when those people are raised who have rejected the word of Christ, they will be banished and separated from God eternally. And let me just say this. I don't say this to scare people. Jesus tells us this so that we can flee that. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and we need to understand that. And so today, if you're hearing these words and you've not received the word of Christ, and followed your life as a result. Turn to him today. Trust him today. If you have received the word of Christ, find comfort today that this is as bad as it can get. It only gets brighter for the believer. Glory to God. So that's what we learn theologically. Now let's speak pastorally, practically. Because Jesus has been raised, because his word is authoritative, because it gives life, how should we as believers Live our lives. What should we do as a result? Number one, as believers who have received the word of Christ in 2022, as we are abiding in the word of God, that's our word for the year as a worldwide movement, what should we do? Well, number one, we should pray the word of God. We should pray the word of God. We go on trips all the time as a family. And we always try to get our kids excited about the trips we're going to go on. And me and Allison, my wife, will get so excited about the trips, we'll start making promises about all the things we're going to do. Sometimes we won't even see them as promises. We'll just say, oh, yeah, we're going to go get ice cream. We're going to, you know, we're going to go to Disney, and you're going to get to eat one of the Mickey Mouse head ice cream bars. And we say all these things, and the kids, they're like marking these things in our mind. And then we might be flying or driving to where we're going, and uh, they say, can we stop now and get ice cream? And they're like, no, not yet. And then we hear, always hear the word, these words from the kids. But you said... You said we would do it, Daddy. You said. Parents, you know where I'm coming from. You, you know your kids say to you all the time, but you said. Let me just say that. As much as that might frustrate us, our Father in heaven likes it when we do that. Father, you said in your word, this is what I can expect. As we abide in the word, it should fuel our prayer life. 
The word is not just a mental exercise, it's a spiritual exercise. Jesus said, my words are spirit, they are life. So as we're reading this word, the, the spiritual life from them is igniting our spirit and we should adore our Father and praise our Father and part of our prayer life should be, Lord, this is what your word says. This word is filled with some 6,000 promises. I'm telling us as a Bethel family, we should be promise seekers. Find you a promise in the word and pray it back to the Lord. I always do this. Lord, you said in your word, me and my household shall be saved. So I'm not just shooting from the hip, wishfully hoping that something will happen in my family. I am saying to the Father, Lord, here's what you promised me in your word, and I'm in faith and expectation about what's going to happen as a result. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15, man, this is encouraging. Now this is the confidence we have in him, Jesus that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Notice the confidence. Because God can't lie, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, because his word holds so much power, when we are praying the word back to God as we're abiding in him, the word of God is the will of God. Notice he says, if we ask anything according to his will. We don't know if it's the will of God unless it's in the word of God, but the word of God is always the will of God. So when we're praying his word, we're praying his will and we can expect an answer. Gives us confidence, amen? So number one, pastorally, this year, according to what we're hearing this morning, God's word is full of authority. Pray it back to him. Say it back to him. Number two, not only should we pray the word, because the Lord says, put me in remembrance in Isaiah 43. Number two, this is powerful. You need to catch this. Not only do we pray the word back to the Father, but we should say the word to our situation. Our God is a speaking God. When God got ready to create the world, he said, let there be light. The fish, let the, let the sea teem with life. The birds, he, he just said, he's, he's everything we see, he said. And then now that word has become flesh, Jesus Christ, and dwelt among us. And whenever we look at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, we see him. Everything he did was by his word. 100% of the time when Jesus raised somebody from the dead, he spoke to him. He spoke to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. When he cast out demons, he spoke to them, leave. The Roman centurion came to him whose little daughter was lying at the point of death. Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal her. The centurion said, no, just send the word. Just say the word and my daughter will be healed. My, my servant will be healed. So if we see Jesus, the one that we follow, speaking to situations and the situation changing, we should follow him and not just pray the word back to him, but say the word into the deepest, darkest situation we may face. In 2022, you, you may face some hard times, but what I'm saying to you this morning is that we can do something about those hard times with the word of God. 
Mark chapter 11, 22 through 24. I love this section of Scripture. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. There it is. Says three times in two verses. Says. Whoever says. Whoever says. Whoever says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, you may face insurmountable tasks, but he says, my word has the power to change that task, to move it out of the way. So we don't want to tell the mountains, we don't want to brag about how big the mountains is. We speak to the mountains the word of God, and they must move in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. When you face fear, you need to have a scripture that you can say to that fear. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. When anxiety tries to come on your life, you need to say out of your mouth, I will not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, I'm making my request known to God. When sickness tries to come on your body, we're not just going to succumb. We're going to say to our body, with the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed and made whole. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. Over our children, we're prophesying their destiny with the word of God. They're going to be strong and courageous and live for the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. This is making us excited. So number one, we pray the word back to the Father because his word is his will. It's his authority to us. Number two, we say the word like Jesus told us to do to our situation. I'm encouraging you this year, don't let words of doubt and unbelief come out of your mouth. Speak the word of the living God and see your situation change. And finally, to the believers I say this morning, we should pray his word, we should say his word, but we can't leave out. We are called as his body to relay his word to a lost and dying world. We're called to relay his word. This isn't just about us. We're called to be ambassadors of his. We represent him. He gives us the authority to speak on his behalf. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teach them. Relay the word to them. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says these words, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Notice, he says, he says just think about it. How can they call on him in whom they've not believed? And then he says this, how can they believe in him of whom they've not heard? In other words, he's telling us, you've heard, you've believed, you've got everlasting life, you've got a hope on the inside of you. Go relay that word of hope at work, at your family, at baseball games, at soccer games, uh, wherever you go hang out on teams, on college campuses, on your high school campus, on, in your college team locker room, wherever it may be. We as believers have a mandate on our lives to relay the word of God. 
I hear some people say, well, I don't know how my friend can ever be saved. Listen, stop overthinking it and just go say to them, can I tell you what Jesus did in my life? And relay the word of God to them. If you will make yourself available, God will give you opportunities to speak his word. And our, our, our responsibility isn't to save. Our responsibility isn't to heal. Our responsibility isn't to change people's lives. No, our responsibility is to relay the word of God because the word is the seed. The Lord does the rest. He's the savior. I remember getting on an airplane to go on one of my first mission trips. And uh, I'd stayed up all night long packing because I'm a procrastinator whenever it comes to packing and going on trips. I was very tired, early morning flight, hadn't been to sleep. So I get on the, the, the flight to go from Nashville to Miami, and then I was going to go from Miami to Peru. So I was like, you know, I'm hoping to get some rest on this airplane flight. I hope that I get uh, a row where there's nobody else on it. Here's me, a Christian, praying for a row by myself so I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. And uh, the Lord had answered my prayer until the very last moment. There was one, I, I, was, I had the only open seat in the whole plane next to me, and I was considering this an answer of prayer from the Lord. But then right at the last minute, an Asian lady gets on, and I knew she was going to have to sit by me, so I started praying for her to be a quiet Asian lady so I wouldn't have to speak to her. I'm tired, I want to go to sleep. Well, we no longer pull away from the terminal till this lady starts talking my ear off. I tried to act like I was ignoring her, but she just kept talking. Anyway, we get in the air, and I finally just say, you know what, this isn't going to work. I, I'm going to have to engage this lady. And uh, we have normal conversations. And she, just in the conversation, I said, so what are, what are you going to Miami for? She said, well, the Dalai Lama is going to be in Miami, and I'm going there because I'm going to search for truth, and I'm, I'm, I've got a big, a big lump, lump sum of money that I'm going to give to him, and I'm going to go talk to the Dalai Lama, and you could tell she was just confused spiritually. She said, why are you going to Miami? And now here's where the clash happens. Uh, obviously, I'm on this airplane to get to Miami, so get on an airplane to go to Peru. So I just tell her, I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a missionary, and uh, I represent Jesus Christ, and I'm going to go tell the people in the Amazon jungles of Peru about Jesus as the Savior. And, of course, this sparked a big spiritual conversation, and she had all these questions, and it turned, I could feel it turning into an argument a little bit, and so I didn't want to argue, and I knew that arguments never go anywhere, and so I just closed my mouth, and I just began to silently pray, Lord, open up this woman's heart. Give me the words to relay to her so that she can know who you are. And as I was just thinking about it, the Lord laid these words on my heart. Just say, I want you to ask her, has what you believed about Dalai Lama given you peace about what's going to happen to you when you go into eternity when you die? So I just looked over at this woman and with sincerity said, ma'am, can I ask you one question? Do you have peace about what's going to happen to you when you die? Because you will die. And then I just closed my mouth and acted like I was going back to sleep. Opened up my eye and looked at her. Tears were streaming down her face. I looked and we called eye contact and she said, I don't have any peace at all about what's going to happen to me when I die. And that's why I'm searching for truth. And I said, can I tell you why I do have peace about what's going to happen to me when I die? And can I tell you why Jesus Christ can give you that same peace? 
I preached the gospel to her. I relayed the word to her. And before our airplane hit the ground in Miami, that sweet little Asian lady had called on the name of Jesus Christ, repented of her sins, declared Jesus as Lord of her life, and she was saved before we got to Miami. Why am I telling you that story? I'm telling you that story because there's opportunities around us all the time if we'll just make ourselves available. If we'll just be willing to open up our mouth and give a reason for the hope that's on the inside of us. I'm trusting God that as we abide in his word in 2022, there's going to be hundreds, even thousands of stories of you, of me, of all of our people going out to relay the word and seeing our lost friends, family, campuses, locker rooms, mothers groups, soccer teams come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ simply because we're willing to relay the word of God. I hope you've been encouraged by today's message. I hope you apply it to your life. We love you. We care about you. Um, if you have any prayer needs, please feel free to reach out to us on our, our social media sites and websites and, uh, and reach out to us because we love you. Let's make this the year that we abide, abide in the word where we pray the word back to the Father where we say the word to our situations and where we relay the word to our lost friends and family members. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for my friends. Thank you for Bethel. Thank you for this great church, the house of God, the house of prayer for all the nations. I speak blessing over every person right now in their homes. Um, Lord, I, everything that they might be going through, I speak peace to the storm, even as you spoke peace to the storm. I pray that peace would fill every heart and every home. I pray that unity would be in marriages, Father. And Lord, I pray more than anything that there would be an insatiable hunger and desire to glorify you by abiding in your living word that has authority. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a great day.